Dear God, thank you, Lord, for this afternoon and this time to spend in this Bible marking class to learn how we can share um, your word with others and just so that the Bible will come alive to us as we color it with our pencils and just uh, discover um, your truths there. So bless this time, Lord, that we spent together this afternoon. May it be practical and may it result in us being able to be greater witnesses for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Someone brought their spirit of prophecy books. Sweet, we're going to use that today, so that's excellent. So today we're going to be kind of going over some more of the ones we did yesterday, but we will also be doing uh, spirit of prophecy color coding. So that will be a new handout. So for those of you who are brand new today and weren't here yesterday when we started practicing, um, you'll... You'll catch up to speed um, pretty quickly. I'll try to um, explain it as we go as well. Um, and you can always ask the person sitting next to you if they were here, because they should be able to help you too. So I hope you have your Bible with you, um, because we're going to actually mark a Bible study in our Bibles. Um, did anyone yesterday have a chance to finish the one that we started on the signs of Jesus coming? Okay, so several of you did. Um, so in the handout that you have of, of Bible studies, we were, the first one that we did yesterday was called um, Steps to Salvation, and it has the bright red on it. And this was our sample that we used where I actually um, put down exactly what part to highlight. Now, for those of you who are new, just a quick review. Um, I color code my Bible and my Spirit Prophecy books using coloring pencils, and each color represents something. So in my Bible, the colors represent different Bible doctrines, whereas in my Spirit Prophecy books, they represent other things, which we'll get to um, a little later. Um, but in my Bible, they represent Bible doctrines. So this one was on salvation. We used the color red for it, and... Um, as you can see from this example, I don't highlight the entire verse most often when it comes to um, doing a verse. I just pick out the key words or the key phrases, um, the key thought in that passage. And there are reasons for that. If you remember from the handout I passed out the first day, I had a sample page of chain referencing and color coding, which is um, a good one to keep out as a reference. This is new for you. And you will see that there's sometimes a passage of scripture is used for two different Bible studies. For example, this one in 1 Thessalonians 4 is used for a study on the second coming and the state of the dead. And so we're using two different colors. If I colored it all yellow when I was doing the second coming, and then I went back and I was doing the state of the dead in my dark green, I would be like, oh, now what do I do? <laughs> so we only highlight the part of the text that is talking about, specifically about the second coming. In this case, it said, the Lord descends from heaven with a shout, the voice of the archangel and the trump of God. And then the dead in Christ rises first is about the resurrection. And that's what we do in dark green. So it allows you, when a verse is used in a couple different studies, um, to be able to maybe not overlap um, your colors that way. Yes. Do you ever have, have you, and I know in all your studies, there has to be some that have overlapped or not? Um, I can't think of an example right off, but I'm sure there must have been somewhere along the way. And I think um, when it did happen, I, um, I underlined in the other color where I had highlighted above it, and then I just underlined it. That would be another way you could if you were using it for both. But usually, the phrase is going to be referring to a specific topic matter. So um, you wouldn't normally run into that problem. Now, the other thing um, I've shared in this class so far is that in addition to coloring phrases and words, I also use symbols. Um, in this case, it's dots or circles um, to point out which verses are in my study 
and then in the margin what the next verse is going to be. And this allows me, when I'm reading a passage, to know that these are the three verses for the second coming study, and then when I go to the margin, I'm looking for the yellow dot, which will guide me to the next verse. Now, I was talking with this lady, and remind me of your name? Renette. Renette. So she had, um, yesterday, one of the studies that we were marking, she had already marked another Bible study in her Bible. Um, yeah, she was doing the 20 fundamental beliefs, and so she already had a verse there that had a verse in the margin. So she's like, how am I going to keep these from getting confused? And I said, well, that's why the shapes are so helpful. When you put the little yellow dot there and then you put your next verse, you know that when you're doing your second coming study, your verse is going to that one. And the other one would be for your other study. So that's where the shapes can be helpful and also the abbreviations of your study. Um, we've also talked about how you'll want to have in the front um, of your Bible a Bible study index. And those of you who were here yesterday started an index because um, you already put two studies in there. And I have, um, so your Bible study index is where you have your shape and your, um, you don't have to necessarily put, put the word, col the color there, because if your shape is there, that should indicate it, um, your, if it's in colored. And then this title of your subject, and then your abbreviation and your first text. So that's basically how your index will be. Okay, so we're going to pick a new study today to do, and I'm trying to decide between doing the Sabbath or the State of the Dead. So maybe I'll have you guys help me decide. Which one would you rather do, the Sabbath or the State of the Dead? The Sabbath, okay. That's all I needed was a vote. All right, so what we're going to do is in the front of our Bible or in the back, wherever you decide you want your Bible study index to be, we are going to, um, and this one's going to be easy because I actually have a blue marker here. We are going to put our blue circle, and then we're going to put the title, and then what the code is going to be, which is SV, and then our first text. Okay. So you want to put this in your um, index in the front or back of your Bible. So like I showed you um, the other day, I have a list of all my studies written in here with my symbols and the title of them, uh, just like is shown up here. And you can also do a label version as well, as I've um, shown. So that's our first text. So let's go now to Revelation 14, 6 and 7. And we're going to practice this color coding, and we're going to decide as a group what part we are going to highlight. Revelation 14, verse 6 and 7. And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel, to preach to them that dwell on the earth, to every nation, kindred, tongue, and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to him. For the hour of his judgment is come, and worship him that made heaven and earth, the sea and the fountains of waters. Worship him. Yes, this is the part that we are highlighting. The, the part that's talking about worshiping the creator. The Sabbath is a memorial of creation. So worship him who made heaven, earth, the sea, and fountains of water is the part we would be highlighting light blue. So if you have um, your coloring pencil, and if someone um, doesn't have a kit, but they just want a pencil to borrow for right now, I've got a few light blue pencils up here. I don't mind um, sharing with somebody if they need one. Now, in my Bible, um, for this passage, you can see I have actually several different colors in here. So if you just look at the passage we just read, um, you can kind of probably guess what other colors I have in there. Having the everlasting gospel. What do you think I have there? That one's, those two words, everlasting gospel, is red in this passage in my Bible. And then the hour of his judgment is come. Um, as you may have remembered from my Bible doctrine color chart, 
I use a red-brown um, for the judgment. And that's because I use orange for the sanctuary and red is for salvation. And the judgment is where those two kind of come together. Um, the, the judgment is the blood of Christ applied to us in the heavenly sanctuary. So that's why I use a um, reddish orange for that. Okay, so what we're going to do is in our text, for those of you who um, are new to this, this, is, this was my text, and then this was verse 6, and this is verse 7. I'm highlighting the part in verse 7. We just talked about the worship hymn. I'm putting my blue circle next to the verses. And in the margin, whether it's vertical or horizontal, depending on how much space I have to write with, I'm going to put my dot, and then in my using my mechanical pencil, which is the just the regular lead pencil, I'm going to put the next verse, and it is Genesis 2, 1 to 3, and then I'm putting my um, code next to it, SB. Okay, so from right there, if I was reading this verse, I would know these verses are part of my Sabbath Bible study, and that if I was here, the next verse I would be going to is Genesis 2. Any questions about this? Okay, so let's now go to Genesis 2. I think you guys are getting pretty familiar with this, so we should be able to go um, a little quicker through these. Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God ended his work which he had made. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had made. God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because that in it he had rested from all his work which God had created and made. Okay, so you tell me, what part of that text would we highlight blue? He rested the seventh day. Yeah, that's pretty specific as to which day we're talking about. Anything else? Yes. Exactly. There's three things that's telling us here about the seventh day. It's a day God rested on. It's a day God blessed. And it's a day that God sanctified. So that's what sets this day apart from other days. So those are exactly the parts that I also highlighted in mine. And then um, we're going to put Exodus 20, 8 to 11, which you can abbreviate as EX if you want to. Exodus 28 through 11. And of course, this is the Sabbath commandment. Now, when you get to Exodus 28 to 11, You've got several verses. You actually have, was that, four verses? So, 8, 9, 10, and 11. So, with this one, what you can do, as I demonstrated before, is you can just use a circle at the beginning with a down arrow and a circle at 11 with an up arrow. So you know you're reading everything between those. Or you could do each verse. Um, it's not such a big issue when you have only a couple verses, but if you have a longer passage, it's nice to um, show what's in between. For example, I have verses 1 to 17 in my Bible study on the law of God, and I just put arrows between them. I didn't put a blue dot by every single verse. Yes? Um, there's a chapter one I didn't understand. The Revelation one. Mm-hmm. No the, uh, the worship the Creator. Word. I got the arrow on the thing, and uh-huh. then, but I don't uh, where to highlight it. You didn't know what to highlight. Yeah. Um, you because would. My, my Bible doesn't say the final message to mankind. Correct. What I have in your handout is not the exact wording of the text. It is. Um, wording that's similar to the text, but is to help guide you to the part of the text. So here it is the call to worship the Creator. So you want the part that uses the word worship. Yeah. 
And the reason I'm doing that is because I don't want you to, um, I want to make you think. And also, different translations sometimes will word it a little differently. And if I give you the exact wording for the King James or something, and you're using a different translation, it wouldn't be the same. So that's why I'm doing it like this. Okay, so here in Exodus 28 to 11, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work. Thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor the stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day, wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Okay, so let's just take it verse by verse, and you tell me what you would highlight. In verse 8, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Okay, there. <laughs> yeah, I did too. <laughs> I'd say you can't pick much apart from that. Yeah, so okay, the whole thing. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. I actually didn't highlight that anything in there because there wasn't anything specific that I um, wanted to emphasize necessarily. Verse 10, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. The seventh day is the Sabbath, yeah. And I also put of the Lord your God because it's showing it's his day. And there's other questions in the Bible about what day is the Lord's day. And it's the Sabbath of the Lord your God, so... In fact, in my Bible, right here, you could put um, next to the Sabbath of the Lord your God, you could put as a cross-reference, remember we talked about cross-references? Mark 2.28 and Revelation 1.10. Okay? Revelation 1.10 is the passage a lot of people take you to when they say, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. And they say, oh, the Lord's Day is Sunday. And then Mark 2.28 is where it says the, the Lord, that Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. So those are both passages that are similar to what this is. And if I was trying to explain the Lord's Day to somebody, I would take them to Mark 2.28. I'd take them here to the commandment, where it says the Sabbath of the Lord. What is the Lord's Day? It's the Sabbath. So if you wanted to do a cross-reference, um, and you can even, where it says the Sabbath of the Lord your God, you could um, just put parentheses around that to kind of indicate that this is what we are cross-referencing. So, and even in your Bible, you may look, I'm just looking just quickly to see if this is true. No, I'm not seeing, I, I was just looking to see if in my center column it referenced either of those two texts, but it doesn't. Um, it, it goes back and it references Genesis 2.2. 2. Um, so if you have a Bible that has like um, little letters next to it that's taking you to a center column reference or even to an inline reference, and there's a key scripture there that you could connect, you could highlight it. So I could take, which I think I'll just do right now, I'm just going to highlight the N next to the seventh day, and then I'm going to highlight in the margin Genesis 2-2. Okay? So that's a way that you can um, make a connection between this verse and another verse, um, which we would call a cross-reference. So rather than writing it over here, if you saw that there was a connection in the margin, you could do that. This is a light blue. Okay. Oh, so you say the Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I have a problem again with the bottom of the blue. Oh, well, very good. So just, um, you're going to just take, you're going to just put a blue, light blue circle next to 8, 9, 10, and 11, and then you're going to put a little blue dot here, and then you're going to write down Mark 2, 27, and 28. So when, when I was looking at my Exodus 20, verse 10, where it said seventh day, I had a little number there next to that that took me to the margin, I mean to the center column, and it had Genesis 2-2 there. So I just highlighted that Genesis 2-2 to show that that is a parallel passage to the one I'm at. Mm-hmm.
So someone, yeah, you, and I think you, we talked about that yesterday. Um, the Remnant Study Bible already has some Bible studies marked in it, which is the little chain of. There, yeah. So you can use that order of text um, if you want to, if you like that order, which is, I don't think there'd be anything bad with it. Um, and you can just color those verses. And the chain part, the written out part, is already done for you because it's printed in the margin. So that's kind of nice about the Remnant Bible. Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah. Okay, so now let's go to Mark 2, 27 and 28. Okay, Mark 2, 27 and 28. And he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Therefore, the Son of Man is Lord also of the Sabbath. Okay, so what in verse 27 would you highlight? The Sabbath was made for man, uh-huh. And then verse 28, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath, okay? So those are the, the key thoughts, that the Sabbath was created for us, and Jesus is the Lord of it. It is his day. And now, so we put our dots next to it. In the margin, we're writing our next um, text, which is going to be Ezekiel 20, 12, and 20. And I would just abbreviate it E-Z-E. Um, if you are still there, Mark 2, I'm just noticing in mine where it says the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. I have a little V there. I'd already done this before. In the margin, center column, I'm sorry, I have Matthew 12, 8. Matthew's gospel um, is saying the same thing. So I had made a cross-reference to that. I also added a text. So here's a case where I had some room underneath the verses that was listed there, and I added Isaiah 58.13 for this passage. And Isaiah 58.13, just flip there really quick, says, You turn away your foot from the Sabbath from doing pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight. So there, it, it, the Bible says that the Sabbath is my holy day. So I had added that to that list to show the Lord of the Sabbath, what, is, what day does he claim as his own, and he calls the Sabbath his holy day. So you could add that verse as a cross-reference. It's not a verse that we're putting in this study, but it is an additional verse that you could add um, as some extra support. So we go to Isaiah, you put that in there, we go to Isaiah 58. So, yeah, so Isaiah 58, 13, you can highlight my holy day. <coughs> and then um, next to that, you could um, put back to Mark 2, 28. Mm -hmm. Back to Mark 2, 28, yeah. Do you see on your handout here, over here in the extra passages, um, the second one down is Revelation 1.10, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. And you can see that these passages are the ones that help further explain that. So what we've been doing is we've been in Mark 2.28, we looked at Exodus 20.10, Isaiah 58.13. This is kind of a little cluster of four scriptures. So you can, in any of these scriptures, cross-reference to the other three. And, but I would, in Revelation 1.10, put these four next to it. In fact, I'm curious if Revelation 1.10 has any of these in it, the center column. <laughs> so this is a good example of where, where the people who put together the center column references are not inspired. <laughs> because in mine where it says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, it puts in the margin John 20, 26, which is where Jesus is with the disciples on the first day of the week. Mm -hmm. Acts 20, verse 7, where um, they are breaking bread on the first day of the week. And 1 Corinthians 16, 2, where they're taking up um, an offering on the first day of the week. So they're putting the three passages that they'd like to use to prove Sunday to show which day is the Lord's day. But none of those verses that they added there mention the Lord's day. 
you know? And when you're doing a, a, a cross-referencing, you are looking for other verses that use the same words as the passage you're studying. And they totally violated that principle by saying, oh, this is obviously speaking about Sunday, so let's put all these Sunday verses. And if I was to write it, I would have put Matthew 12. Um, what was it, Matthew 12, 8, Mark 2, 28, Exodus 20, 10, and Isaiah 58, 13, okay? So this is an example where your cross-references are wrong. <laughs> so you have to be careful because sometimes they're being guided by the theology of the people who are doing these Bible translations. Yeah, so that's a good thing for us to notice. Okay, so we were at Mark 2, 27 and 28, and our next text is Exodus, uh, Ezekiel 20, 12 and 20. Moreover also I gave them my Sabbath to be a sign between, them, between me and them that they might know that I am the Lord that sanctify them. And then verse 20, Hallow my Sabbath, and they shall be a sign between me and you, that you may know that I am the Lord your God. Okay, so let's talk about the highlighting part, then let's talk about um, the symbols. Um, in verse 12, what would we highlight? I gave them my Sabbath. Yes. Again, he's referring to the Sabbath in the possessive sense. It's my Sabbath. It's not. Many times uh, when you talk about the Sabbath with a person, they say, well, you can't do that because that's your Sabbath, right? And I always correct them. <laughs> I say, no, it's not my Sabbath. Throughout the Bible, God always calls it his Sabbath, my Sabbath. It's the Sabbath of the Lord your God. This isn't my Sabbath. This is the Lord's Sabbath. It's the Lord's day. You know, and they're like, oh, never heard of the Sabbath as the Lord's day, you know. So correct that if somebody ever says that to you. Um, yes. Yes, so that was a good point. So in a case where you have um, one verse here and then another verse later on, I would, in the margin, just put verse 20. Then when I get down here, put my next text. Okay? Because sometimes it's even on the next page, and I think in this case it is in my Bible. So I would just do that to reference to your next verse later on the page. Yeah, it's easy to see. Yeah, it's easy to see. But um, in mine, it's on the next page. So, yeah, that's what I would um, do in that case. Okay, so we're highlighting my Sabbath, and I highlighted the word sign, and I highlighted... Um, Sanctify them. And then in verse 20, I'm highlighting, Hallow my Sabbath, and then sign between me and you. That's what I highlighted. You may decide to do more than that, but I think that was sufficient for me. Okay, then our next text is Luke 4.16. Now, for those of you who are new today, I didn't mention that um, I have these um, Bible marking kits that a lot of people have already gotten that has this pencil that we're using in it. It's an eight-color Pentel click pencil. So it's like a mechanical pencil. It just has a thicker lead. It has eight colors in it. I'm also um, adding, supplying two additional colors, a purple and a dark green. Um, so there's actually be 10 colors you could use. And it makes it really nice to have, like, all your colors with you in one pencil. So, and it writes really nice. You guys like how it writes in your Bible? Yeah, it's, it's easy to read through, and it doesn't smudge, and it's really, really nice. Okay, Luke 4, 16. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. Okay, so what would you highlight here? I'm in Luke 4.16. Am I in the wrong place? Okay. As his custom was, okay, he went to the Sabbath on the Sabbath day. So what are the two points we're emphasizing when we read this verse with someone? 
that Jesus had a habit. His habit was to go to church on the Sabbath day. Yeah, and that was his custom. This was, and he, he's our example. We are to do the same thing, have a habit, a custom of going to the synagogue or the church on the Sabbath. Okay, and now we're going to our next text, which is Luke 23, 54 to 21. Luke 23, 54 to 24, verse 1. And the, that day was the preparation, and the Sabbath drew on. And the, women which, and the women also which came with him from Galilee followed after and beheld the sepulcher and how his body was laid. And they returned and prepared spices and ointments and rested the Sabbath day according to the commandment. Now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came to the sepulcher, bringing the spices which they had prepared and certain others with them. Okay, so in verse 54, what are we going to highlight? On mine, the preparation, that day was a preparation and the Sabbath drew on, is how the King James says, I think. The New King James says Sabbath drew near or something like that. Okay? And then I didn't highlight anything in verse 55. In verse 56, I highlight rested the Sabbath day according to the commandment. Okay? Now, what commandment is it referring to there? When it says according to the commandment. It's according to the fourth commandment. So you could make a cross-reference right there. To Exodus 28 to 11. Yeah. So that when you get here, you remember to mention, this is referring to the fourth commandment, which we find in Exodus 28 to 11. I didn't highlight anything in verse 1 of chapter 24. Um, the reason that we're going through to verse 1 is to show that the Sabbath day came between two days. It came between a day that was called the preparation and it came between that and the first day of the week when Jesus rose. So the Sabbath is the day between Friday and Sunday. So this is important to um, point out which day. Which day is the seventh day? It's Saturday, the day between Friday and Sunday. Okay, now our next verse is Matthew 24, 20. So in the margin, you'll, you can just put M-T for Matthew or M-A-T-T, -T, either one. Matthew twenty four twenty. Well, don't we put the, uh, the arrow? Yeah, this is one of those where you could definitely do an arrow between them because you have several verses. And sometimes I find that um, to do the arrow is sometimes a little easier to do with my mechanical pencil rather than the colored pencil. But it depends how it looks in your Bible. Matthew twenty four twenty. But pray that your flight is not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day. Okay, so we're definitely going to be highlighting the words Sabbath day here. Um, but here's a place where I might want to add a marginal note, okay? Because what is it referring to here when Jesus is saying, pray your flight is not in the winter nor on the Sabbath? He's rever referring to the destruction of the Jerusalem. And do you remember when that took place, what year that happened? It was the year 70 A.D. Okay? So I might put 70 A.D. in the margin because what Jesus is asking is that his disciples are praying that they will not flee on the Sabbath when this event happens. And it's 40 years later. Okay? Now why is that significant? that Jesus is asking them to pray to still be keeping the Sabbath 40 years later. He didn't change the day, and they didn't start keeping Sunday right after the resurrection, which is what most people believe and are taught. Jesus' disciples were still going to be observing the Sabbath 40 years later. Jesus was anticipating that, and so he had them praying that your flight is not in the winter or on the Sabbath day when this happened. 70 A.D., yeah, so th there was a couple ways you can do a marginal reference. If you have room, you can just write it right in the margin. If you don't have room, you can always do a number reference, as we talked about. You just do a number, 
And then maybe up above where you have more room, you can write it. 80, 70, destruction of Jerusalem. Now the nice thing with writing with a, with a um, mechanical pencil is that you can erase it. If you decide, oh, I don't like the way that looks or it doesn't fit, um, you can just erase it and redo it, which is why I write with a pencil in my Bible rather than a pen, because um, sometimes I update my notes or um, change things. Okay, our next verse is Acts 17.2. So this cluster of verses we're doing right now is all on how the disciples were observing the Sabbath even after the resurrection. So Matthew 24 was Jesus anticipating that. But now we're going to go to the book of Acts, and we're going to be doing a cluster of verses here where we see the apostles keeping the Sabbath. Acts 17 and verse 2. And Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them, and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the Scriptures. Okay, so what would you highlight? As his custom, mm-hmm, which is a similar phrase as what we saw in Luke 4, referring to Christ, and three Sabbath days, mm-hmm. So Paul had a custom, Jesus had a custom to keep the Sabbath. Now here in the margin, uh, because we're already in the book of Acts, we don't have to necessarily put the word Acts, we can just say um, chapter 18.4. So our next verse that we're going to. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded the Jews and the Greeks. So here, I'm highlighting the word every Sabbath, and I'm highlighting Jews and Greeks. Why am I highlighting Jews and Greeks? Why is that significant? It's not just for Jews. Yeah, you have non-Jews also observing every Sabbath. <laughs> They're coming and worshiping as well. And now we are going to um, chapter 13. So I would put chapter... 1342-44. And when the Jews were gone out of the synagogue, the Gentiles besought that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. And when the congregation was broken up, many of the Jews and religious proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who, speaking to them, persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. And the next Sabbath day came almost the whole city together to hear the word of God. Okay. So, in mine, I only highlighted parts in verse 42 and 44. And it's the parts that refer specifically to the Sabbath. Um, that the Gentiles were asking that this would be preached to them the next Sabbath, which is significant, um, that it was Gentiles. And that verse 44, the next Sabbath, the whole city came together. So again, we're showing that it's not just the Jews that are observing the Sabbath. This is, this is a really key scripture because if by this point the Christian church was now observing the first day of the week and the Jews were still observing the Sabbath, Paul would have said, well, you don't have to wait till next Sabbath. We'll just preach tomorrow when we come for Sunday services, right? <laughs> That's what would have happened. But he didn't say that. He said, okay, next Sabbath. And the next Sabbath, they waited a whole week until the following Sabbath because they weren't observing a new day starting on Sunday. Yeah, so that's a, a significant passage. Okay, um, Hebrews 4 now. So you can abbreviate that H-E-B if you like. Hebrews 4, 9, and 10. And here it says, There remains therefore a rest for the people, to the people of God. For he that entered into his rest, has, he also has ceased from his own works, as God did from his. Okay, now you may be looking at this passage and say, well, does it use the word Sabbath? But it actually does. Um, the part you want to highlight is 
There remains, therefore, a rest to the people of God. Verse 9. But here's a place where we're going to do a word definition, like we had talked about before. So where you see the word rest, I like to do this in my orange. Orange I use for word definitions. So I'm going to swap colors to red here as an example. I will put brackets around it. And then in my margin, using my mechanical pencil, um, I will put the definition. Sometimes I know what the Strong's number is. In this case, I don't. But the word is, I'm actually going to put down the Greek word first because that's significant here. The Greek word is sabbatismos. And it means keeping of Sabbath. Now, I don't know why when they translated it, they didn't just use this phrase. There remains, therefore, a keeping of the Sabbath for the people of God. That would have made more sense, right? <laughs> because you have some people say, well, the New Testament never talks about keeping the Sabbath. But as we've seen, it, it does in the book of Acts, several places. But even here in Hebrews, it's using the same word, sabbatismos. This word is only ever referred to as the Sabbath day. And it's saying that there, that still remains. So I would add that um, to the margin. In my Bible, it actually puts a um, letter, a number next to the word rest, and in my center column, it says keeping of the Sabbath. So it actually um, translated that Greek word um, for me. Yeah, they did this one right. <laughs> okay, so we have one more text, Isaiah 66, 22, and 23. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, good point. So those are things that as you're going through in your Bible study, you can be emphasizing that again and again. The Bible's repeating the same thing here. Yeah, it's not the same word. Yeah, you're right. You looked it up. Um, yes, it actually is a different Greek word. But it's referring back to Genesis. You know, which is another cross-reference. It's, it's saying, as God rested on the Sabbath, so we are also to rest in Christ. Okay? And sometimes people, um, Sunday keepers, take this text to say, well, we have a rest. My Sabbath is now Jesus. Jesus is my rest. He's my Sabbath. That's not what it's saying. It's saying, we keep, in keeping the Sabbath, we are resting in Christ, just like he rested on that day in creating the world. Okay, our last text, Isaiah 66, 23. For as the new heavens and the new earth, which I will make, shall remain before me, says the Lord, so shall your seed and your name remain. And it will come to pass that from one new moon to another, and from one Sabbath to another, shall all flesh come to worship before me, says the Lord. Okay, so what would you highlight here? Yeah, one Sabbath to another, all are coming to worship. Now, I'm hesitating from highlighting new heavens and new earth because I'd almost want to do that in the color I would use for my study on heaven, mm -hmm. which in mine I use a, a yellow gold for those verses. So I probably would, would wait on highlighting that, but that definitely is a point I would be bringing out in this passage. Now, because this is the last verse in our study, when we get to our margin and we do our little blue circle, we're just going to worry the word end and our abbreviation again. So we know that's the last verse in the study. Very good. You got another Bible study marked in your Bible. Now, there are some extra things here I will let you take the time to do on your own because we don't really have time to do it here. Um, but the extra passages are for cross-referencing. You can go to Isaiah 58, 13, and 14, which is a passage on Sabbath of observance, and you could put some of these other texts as other texts you could take someone to, to um, study out that topic. And I've also put a few difficult texts um, explained there, Romans 14, 5, and 6, and Galatians 4, 9, and 10, 
and Colossians 2, which talks about that um, not to judge in meats and drinks and Sabbath days and all of that. And I've given you some um, thoughts that you can use to write down to help you in answering those passages. But um, I want to make sure we have time to get into the spirit prophecy stuff. So that's what we're going to switch to now. There are several other studies you have, so feel free to go home and do any of those as you have time. So let's go to the spirit of prophecy list now. So when it comes to um, the spirit of prophecy, I don't do it by Bible doctrines. This is more of a way to help you get more out of your personal devotional reading time. So if you are doing, let's say, a Bible reading plan where you are reading um, a passage from the Bible and then the part in the spirit of prophecy that expounds on that, um, how many of you have a Bible reading plan for the Bible and spirit of prophecy together? Okay, so if you, if you don't, um, a good resource I could recommend for you is the Discipleship Handbook that was um, developed by our conference um, training center churches committee. In the back of there is a Bible reading plan um, that combines these two together. And you can also get a book called Correlated Bible Readings, which um, is what we kind of adapted from. Um, that has, I think, three plans, depending on how much time per day you have to read. So this is where this would be very helpful. So in this, the colors that we are using are the eight colors, um, well, the ten colors that you'll be getting in the kit. So I use yellow for principles, red for what God does for me, Blue for my response to God. This is my obedience to God. Blue in scripture represents the law and obedience. Pink is the results of obedience. Brown is the result of disobedience or the natural heart. Orange is cautions, warnings, reproofs. Green are examples of faith or calls to faith. Dark green can be promises and purple characteristics of God and his children. Okay, so let's um, look at an example, because that's where it's going to kind of come to you. So in here I've given you a passage from In Heavenly Places and also um, one from Steps to Christ. In Heavenly Places is my favorite Spirit of Prophecy devotional book. I just love this book. <laughs> and I, mine is all highlighted, you know, and it's highlighted in these colors, okay? So when I go back and I'm looking... In my book, I can see immediately what is a principle, what is the result when I obey, and what my part is. That's those three on that page. This is right here. This orange is a warning. To those who feel free to read story magazines and novels, I say you are sowing seed, the harvest of which you will not care to gather. There's no spiritual strength to be gained from such reading. Okay? You've ever read those spirit prophecy quotes? It's like, danger, danger, okay? That's orange. That's what gets highlighted orange. Um, here is blue. To give close study to the word, let the youth be taught to give close study to the word of God. It will prove a mighty barricade against temptation. So here it's telling me what I am to do. Red is what God's doing for me. His spirit was never so full of worldly cares as to leave no time nor thought for heavenly things. I think this is referring um, to Christ. Let me see if I can find another. No, I'm just flipping in here, just briefly. Oh. Oh, dear. What page were we just on? Well, I think you dropped your bookmark. Yeah, I did. Yeah, but I have no idea. Um, but because it is colored in a certain way, I should be able to find it, because it was right where that orange was, right? Oh, here it is. Um, page 214, 215. 215 was the one that talked about magazines and storybooks. Okay, so let's look at page 67 here. Um, so our scripture was James 1.5. If you lack wisdom, let him ask of God and it will be given him. It's the privilege of every believer first to talk with God in his closet and then as God's mouthpiece to talk with others. In order that we may have something to impart, we must daily receive light and blessing. So principles are, they're just that. They're, they're like instructions. It's saying this is how things are, okay? 
or this is how things need to be, okay? Men and women who can commune with God, who have an abiding Christ, who, because they cooperate with holy angels, are surrounded with holy influences, are needed at this time. The cause needs those who have power to draw with Christ and power to express the love of God in words of encouragement and sympathy. As the believer bows in supplication before God, and in humility and contrition offers his petition from unfeigned lips. Okay, now that is blue, because this is what we are to do. As we do this, he loses all thought of self. His mind is filled with the thought of what he must have in order to build up a Christ-like character. This is pink because it is the result of that act of obedience to God. As I as I bow before God in humility and contrition, praying, this will be what will result. And that's why it's pink. He prays, Lord, if I am to be a channel through which thy love is to flow day by day and hour by hour, I claim by faith the grace and power thou hast promised. He fastens his hold firmly on the promise. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God and it will be given him. So this is green because green represents examples of faith or a call to exercise faith. And here we're having a description of that, of claiming a promise and holding on to that promise by faith. How this dependence pleases the master, how he delights to hear the steady, earnest pleading. With wonderful and ennobling grace, the Lord sanctifies the humble petitioner, giving him power to perform the most difficult duties. So this is in red because here is what God is doing. I, my part is to pray. I claim this promise. And what does the Lord do? He sanctifies us with his wonderful and ennobling grace, giving us the power to do that. And then we have what it will be the result. All that is undertaken is done to the Lord, and this elevates and sanctifies the lowliest calling it invests with new dignity every word, every act, and links the humblest worker with the highest of the angels in the heavenly courts. So this is pink, a result of what happens when divinity and humanity are combining, basically. When I'm doing my part, God's doing his part, this is what results. This is what the Spirit is doing through me. Sons and daughters of God have a great work to do in the world. They are to accept the word of God as the man of their counsel and part it to others. They are to diffuse light. This is my part. It's blue. Now we have another principle. All who have received the engrafted word will be faithful in giving that word to others. They will speak the words of Christ in conversation and in deportment will give evidence of a daily conversion to principles of truth. Such believers will be a spectacle to the world, to angels and to men, and God will be glorified in them. So do you see by doing this how it makes us actually think about what we're reading? And from that, we've actually pulled out all kinds of new little gems. And I can go back and look at it, and I can say, when I finish my, my study time, and I'm about ready to have my closing prayer with, of time with God, I can go back and reflect on what I've just read. I can go back and reflect on the principles. I can go back and reflect on what is my part, and then I can praise God for what he is, is going to do on his part, and I can thank God for what is going to be the result of that. And I can ask God to help me to avoid those things that he's warning me about. So it just really makes you um, get more out of your reading time. Yes? Um, I, I had like trouble with my family with the seven-day Adventist. Mm -hmm. And one of the people in my church, this is one of the verses that they had me say every bring it into my head, yes. call upon me in the day of the trouble, and I will deliver you, and, the, you, and you shall glorify me. Amen. What a beautiful Bible promise that is. Absolutely. So, Psalms 50, 15. Yes. I love that Bible promise. So let's um, go now to the test of discipleship, which is on the next um, page. And this is, the book Steps to Christ is a really easy one to start this on. If you want to try this um, color coding in a book, um, you'll find so many of these um, you'll be using. So let's just um, practice here. This is in the chapter Test of Discipleship. A person may not be able to tell 
the exact time or place or trace all the chain of circumstances in the process of conversion, but this does not prove him to be unconverted. So this is a principle, okay? It's just a statement or matter of fact. If you're wondering what is a principle, it's just a, a, something that's just a statement, a matter of fact. This is how things are. Christ said to Nicodemus, The wind blows where it lists, and you hear the sound thereof, but can't tell when it comes and whither it goes. So is everyone born of the Spirit. John 3, 8. Like the wind which is visible, yet the effect of which are plainly seen and felt, is the Spirit of God in its work on the human heart. That regenerating power which no human eye can see begets a new life in the soul. It creates a new being in the image of God. Now who is this referring to? This is what God does, right? So this is in red, that regenerating power that we can't see, which is recreating us. So we would highlight that red. While the work of the Spirit is silent and imperceptible, its effects are manifest. So this, again, is another principle. If the heart has been renewed by the Spirit of God, the life bears witness to the fact. That could, I could have highlighted that yellow as well, because that's kind of a continuation of the same principle. Now this next part is a warning. While we cannot do anything to change our hearts or to bring ourselves into harmony with God, while we must not trust at all to ourselves or to our good works, so this is saying, you can't do this and don't do this, okay? It's warning us about a mistake that sometimes people will fall into. Our lives will reveal whether the grace of God is dwelling within us. A change will be seen in the character, the habits, and that will be seen in the character, the habits, and pursuits. So when the grace of God is dwelling in us, this is the result. And that's why I have it in pink. The contrast will be clear and decided between what has been and what they are. The character is revealed not by occasional good deeds and occasional misdeeds, but by the tendency of the habitual words and acts. Again, that is another principle. Now we're coming to brown. We haven't had brown yet. It's true that there may be an outward correctness of deportment without the renewing power of Christ. The love of influence and the desire for the esteem of others may produce a well-ordered life. Self-respect may lead us to avoid the appearance of evil. A selfish heart may perform generous actions. So when you're reading a passage and it's describing what the sinful heart does, that's brown, okay? This is what the unconverted heart does. I will highlight that brown. Who has your heart? With whom are your thoughts? Of whom do you love to converse? Who has your warmest affections and best energies? If we are Christ, so this is well, asking us, who are you thinking about? Who do you love? Who do you, this is our part. Our thoughts are with him and our sweetest thoughts are of him. All we have and are is consecrated to him. We long to bear his image, breathe his spirit, do his will, and please him. So that is the result when God has our heart and our thoughts. Okay, now I'm not going to um, go to the next paragraph because I want to just switch to the next page so you can actually practice a paragraph. So to make it easy, what's, what is in bold print is the part we would highlight. Okay, so I'm making it a little bit easy and giving you a little bit of prompt here. <laughs> but we're going to decide what color it needs to be. Okay, so the top sentence says, There is no evidence of genuine repentance unless it works reformation. That's a principle. Mm -hmm. It's stating a fact that you can't have genuine repentance unless it works reformation. So that would be yellow. If he restores the pledge, gives again what he's robbed, confesses his sins, and loves God and his fellow men, the sinner can be sure he's passed from death to life. Now, you, some might say, well, I would want to highlight that blue, which you could. You know, this is kind of a matter of your own personal opinion. Um, to me, it's just continuing the, the concept of the principle. Okay, now let's go down to the third um, paragraph. The loveliness of the character of Christ... Oh, actually, we've got to go back. We're going to lose a train of thought. Second paragraph. When, as erring sinful beings, we come to Christ and become partakers of his pardoning grace... Okay, I don't have this bold, but we're going to highlight it. <laughs> when we come to Christ and partake of his pardoning grace, what would that be? That's, that's an action that we are doing. So what color is that? Blue. Yeah. Okay, so we're highlighting that blue. 
Love springs up in the heart. Now what's that? That's pink. That's a result of our act of obedience to God. Every burden is light, and the yoke that Christ imposes is easy. This is all still pink. Duty becomes a delight. Sacrifice becomes a pleasure. The path that before seemed shrouded in darkness becomes bright with beams from the sun of righteousness. You could highlight all that pink. That's all results. Notice what is so beautiful about this is what, what was our part? Come to Christ and partake of his grace. What does he do? Let me do that. The rest of the paragraph. Isn't that so cool? So many times we are trying to do God's part. And then we get frustrated, right? And we fail. But when we start to realize what is my part, it's really kind of small. And God's part is big. And the results of what he does is huge. (laughs) And it starts with just my part. So if I can just get down what my part is, which is usually surrender, (laughs) then everything else is his part and the results of his grace. And uh, it makes it very beautiful. The loveliness of the character Christ will be seen in his followers. This is another result. It was his delight to do the will of God. Love to God, zeal for his glory was the controlling power in our Savior's life. Love beautified and ennobled all his actions. Love is of God. The unconsecrated heart cannot originate or produce it. Okay, what would you do that sentence? That's brown. That is the result of sin. No problem. Thank you. Good. Glad you were here. Okay, um, let's skip down a sentence. In the heart renewed by divine grace, love is the principle of action. I would highlight that sentence yellow. To me, that's kind of a principle. It modifies the character. It governs the impulse. It controls the passions. It subdues enmity and ennobles the affections. These are all things that God's love does. Okay, now let's go to the next sentence. This one should be easy. There are two errors against which the children of God, particularly those who have just come to trust his grace, especially need to guard. Okay, what are we going to be going into right now? A warning. So this is orange. So you know when you're doing this, you're flipping that pencil like constantly, right? (laughs) Switching colors, switching colors. But, But it's fun because you're actually taking this paragraph and really taking it apart and really thinking about what you're reading. So two errors we need to guard against. The first one is that of looking to our own works, trusting to anything they can do to bring themselves into harmony with God. The second paragraph is the second one. The opposite and no less dangerous error is the belief that Christ releases me from keeping the law. So those are the two errors. So I could highlight the first one, highlight the second one, both in orange. These are the two warnings that were given. And as I'm going through this, I'm thinking, have I ever done one of these? This is a warning. These are two errors I want to avoid. And when I look back in my, in my book afterwards and I see those oranges in there, it's kind of like warnings to me that I, I'm not going to forget. So it, it does. It makes your prayer time with God. Um, part of prayer is reflecting. Reflect on what God is speaking to my heart. God, prayer is, I mean, talking to God, but it's God talking to me too. So I pray to start my study. I have my devotions. And then afterwards, I'm talking to God as I'm reading, you know. He's speaking to me. I'm speaking back. And this is really helping me to focus on what he's really saying to me. Well, that's about where we have to wrap up. But I think we've done enough for you to kind of get an idea of how it works. And I was doing, um, reading from my little pocket library books. These are the books I was telling you have super thin pages, but um, those pencils work really good in here. And I was doing the Lord's Prayer. And you can just see how I was just marking out my little book with my pencils. And here, here's one in orange. How can we ever doubt? And how can we ever be in doubt and uncertainty and feel that we are orphans when we're praying our Father, which is in heaven? Jesus took on him human nature. He became like us. 
That was his part, so that was in red. That we might have everlasting peace and assurance. That was pink. So you're welcome to come and just kind of look, glance through my books if you want to just kind of see what I do. But it helps me get more out of my reading of the Spirit of Prophecy. And these little ones, they come in a little tiny box about this big. And in it, yeah, it has the whole Conflict of the Ages set. And then this is Mount of the Blessings and Steps to Christ. I think there's seven books in it. This also has That's also similar. has all the Spirit Prophecy, those five the books. Five plus Steps to Christ, plus Mount of Blessings, Christ And Christ's Object Lessons. Great control. Yeah. So I, I keep like these when I go camping or go on a trip. I just can stuff this in my suitcase, and it's easy to take one of your Spirit Prophecy books with you. Yeah. So these are very, very nice. Um, I think you can get them from the Adventist Book Center. The ABC Bookstore has them. Does they have them? Did you see them there? I know the Fairy Springs I'm not sure if this pocket library one is there or not. Um, it was originally produced by Oklahoma Academy out in Oklahoma, um, but I'm not sure who else carries it. All right. Well, thank you all so much for coming to my class this week. I hope you've um, had some fun and um, get excited about reading, studying, and marking your Bibles up. And it'll be a blessing for you personally and for sharing. So let's pray as we dismiss. Lord, thank you so much for this time we could spend together this week and just start marking our Bibles and our spirit prophecy and just learning more and um and just making the Bible come alive for us. Bless each of these, Lord, um, that were here this week as they go home, as they continue studying, that um, you would just guide them to what those key thoughts are that you want them to remember and to share. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.